Episode 76, live at ClioCon 2023, Maximizing Practice Efficiency and Security, Best Practices for Cloud-Based Law Firms. My interview with Clio's lawyer-in-residence, Joshua Lennon. My next guest is Joshua Lennon. Josh is the lawyer in residence at Clio. Josh has worked extensively to educate lawyers on technology's capability to enhance their practice while also teaching tech companies about the unique needs of the legal team. Join Josh and I for a live interview at ClioCon 2023. Enjoy. Have you been enjoying the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast? Consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Josh, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate being here. Now, normally in my interviews, I ask the guests, what is their current tech setup? How are we here at the ClioCon 2023 live media area? And I will just ask you the simple question, are you a Mac or a Windows guy? I am a Mac user. Prior to joining Clio, I was a PC user. Okay. Yeah. And do you prefer the Mac or is it just because this is what they gave you? So I have come to prefer the Mac okay. and for two reasons. One, Clio is entirely cloud-based. Yep. So operating system doesn't really matter right. from a usability perspective. But I do really appreciate the security architecture of the Mac. And the fact that it, because it's a smaller target of mm-hmm. users, it tends to be less targeted. So it has made it easier for the company and me to secure. And that's why I prefer the Mac. I agree with you 100%. Plus, it works. And I interviewed Siobhan earlier. Yeah. And he was talking about how he wants Clio to just work. And that sort of has the same mantra of Mac and Apple that you just want it to work. Yeah. And the other piece I got from Siobhan was how Clio may not be the first in some of the new areas of technology. But when Mm. they come in, they want to get it right. Oh, yeah. And that I find to be very similar. Apple's mantra, they may not be the first, but when they come out with something, it's going to be a rock solid product. I can actually give you an example of that. Please. So one of our competitors was first to publish a mobile app for lawyers of their software. And it, without me bragging, was considered garbage. It was very poorly rated on the App Store. It didn't have a number of downloads. Anybody who talked to customers from them, just they just did not put out a quality app. We actually refrained from putting out a mobile app for almost a year after that because we wanted to get it right. And since then, our apps have been downloaded tens of thousands of times. We have a 4.8. No. We've since published a Clio for Clients app. But as a companion to that, where clients can work with a Clio using law firm, that now has something like 4,000 ratings on the iOS app store, but it's also on Android. And it has a 4.9 rating. So I think it shows that waiting and doing it right matters. Agreed. Well, let's get into the questions. What are the three most common questions attorneys have about cloud computing and how does Clio address? So the first question that lawyers always ask about cloud computing, is it secure? And the answer is it's not. And that's not probably the answer that your listeners are expecting, but there's no computing solution that's secure. There's no paper solution that's 100% secure either, to be perfectly honest. And so the question is, are the risks associated with cloud computing greater or lesser than using an on 
on-premise solution. And right now, cloud computing by a reputable provider is less risky than it when using, well, non-reputable cloud computing or trying to roll your own in many instances. A lot of law firms, especially law, smaller law firms, believe that they can obtain security via obscurity without, I think, realizing both the scale and automation of a lot of these like botnet attacks and email hacks and all of these things. They they really don't care about size. Cannot be obscure enough for them. Right. Uh, if somebody who knows you is impacted, you will be impacted. Really how that works. So cloud computing from a, a reputable provider has an advantage and in that it operates at an economy of scale that is much greater than any individual user can generate on their own right? Lawyers are only paying about 60 bucks a month per user per Clio, but that 60 bucks a month gives world-class leading security architecture, world-class physical security architecture that makes it just impossible to like actually walk up to a server, right? It gives them 24-hour security support, something they couldn't afford for 60 bucks a month that they were trying to pay an IT consultant that, right? So all of that money comes together to actually pay for better security than they would get on their own dollar for dollar. Well, now I have to ask, because you mentioned one of the reasons why you like Apple and Macs is because they have a smaller market than Windows, so we're less of a target. Yeah. However, Clio is growing and becoming more of a target. That's so right. So how is Clio addressing the fact that it's got, it's got a big bullseye on its We absolutely do. And we recognize that law firms in particular are considered a very sweet target when it comes to information breaches. So we have invested heavily in both internal and external security measures. And we validate those security measures. So we bring in third-party independent auditors to come and verify what's right now the industry-leading standards, SOC 2 compliance. And we have SOC 2 compliance both on our technical infrastructure as well as our employee and office infrastructure. You can measure both of those separately. And that means once a year, third-party auditors come in and audit. Are we doing the right things to minimize the risk as much as possible. We also do an annual code audit where we go through our code and it's hundreds of thousands of lines of code right now, but they go through it line by line to look for weaknesses. And then as a part of that audit, we also then have to go back and show how we've corrected any weaknesses that are found. So we are spending, again, that economy of scale funds in a way that benefits both Clio as an organization making us secure, but also definitely extending and embracing that security mindset on behalf of our law firm customers. And that SOC 2 is available for anybody to see. So just been by Clio.com. Our help section will have how to get access to the SOC 2 report. That's spelled SOC and then Roman numeral two. So that's one. Okay. Two more. So the second thing that lawyers misconstrue about cloud computing is who owns the data. Now, it actually, this is a contractual issue. This is not a security issue. And so if lawyers would just read the terms of service, in most instances, they would find out that for any, again, any reputable legal tech provider, right. that there is no ownership claim to any of the content that a law firm uploads onto a service. And that's exactly the case with Clio. We don't pre-screen or claim ownership of any content. And I'm using that as a defined term of art in our term service. So any big C, capital C content that a lawyer uploads to our service. Well, let, let me pull on that for just a second, because mm -hmm. I have two thoughts in my head. Number one, I understand that one of your competitors at least used to claim 
ownership of the data? Yeah. How does that, that just, that seems unfathomable. It, to me. Yeah, it is unfathomable to me, but there's actually a second component to that. So there's, are they claiming ownership rights? And the second is, are they effectively making it impossible for you to own the data based on technological choice? And especially with a lot of our legacy competitors, these on-premise software solutions, they store the data in proprietary formats. Okay. And so it makes it impossible to own the data. Right. And I'm using air quotes for the listeners because even if you have the files, you can't access them. So one of the great things about cloud computing is we actually build towards cloud industry standards. We're using databases that are usable by any cloud system, by and large. And we're storing your documents, for example, in their original format. And so not only do you have like a contractual ownership of the data, but you also have a functional ownership of the data because it's comparatively easy to export this information that's standards compliant in a usable format and then move on to the next place. And so ownership needs to take a look at both those contractual and technological provisions, recognize that there can be hiccups on both sides, right? Competitors claiming ownership and competitors effectively denying you ownership. So one of the issues that we've been dealing with, this goes to my second half of yours, one of the issues we've been dealing with is the authorities trying to get access to certain information from other general internet users, if you will. Yeah. And how does Clio respond to whether it's a, a police inquiry? Yeah. Perhaps there's like a, a court case going on and they're trying mm-hmm. to get a hold of some data that yeah. the user doesn't want to give up, but so they're trying to go through you. Yeah. Or I mean, unfortunately, there are cases who have lawyers where it's some of the information just may not be desirable to have, but yeah. but still someone has to represent them and someone has that information in the defense or prosecution of a case. Yeah. So how do you handle those kind of inquiries, especially for instance, if you get a warrant? So I can't discuss any individual cases. Of course, right. of course, yeah. of course. But I can say that built into our terms of service is that we will, to the greatest extent possible, notify our customer, if there is any demand for their data. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, like just from a practical perspective, there just isn't. With the hundreds of thousands of law firms using Clio, Mm -hmm. effectively, it's like 0% demands. The, if I have to say like who's demanding data, it's almost always an ex-spouse who believes that a lawyer is hiding funds in the law firm. Right. Yeah. Uh, And those are civil subpoenas. And so the Note, you notify, you allow the customer to intervene, right? Uh, I will caution lawyers, though, they should know that certain legal information can be seized again, right? If it's electronic or paper, right? And so it is up to the law firm to know their individual options if that unfortunate thing ever came to pass. And just knock on wood, it just hasn't been an issue for Cleo. But there are a couple of things that we do to protect against not intentional claims, but inadvertent access, like encryption at rest, for example, or noticing if somebody is attempting to impersonate a login, right? If we have profiling, right? right? for what looks like normal usage versus what does. Like, why is this person suddenly logging in from Vietnam? Is that a red flag, right? Or, oh wait, they logged in from Vietnam and used two-factor authentication. So that clearly is probably an authorized access and somebody's just on vacation, right? That's an example of where, like, taking a look at the context, right. which is what the profile right. does, gives you that. Well, no. I got to get one more from One you. more, that it is unethical to use cloud computing. Pardon? Yeah. That's the other concern that lawyers bring oh. to us. Yeah. 
they're like, this is unethical. And I'm happy to report that Clio is actually now offered as a member benefit for every state bar association in the United States, all 50. There are a lot more, actually. There are practice area specific, there are county, there are city bar associations that also offer as membership. But the regulators, the bar associations, for the most part, are coming out and saying Clio is a member benefit. We think it's good that you use this cloud computing. So is the cloud unethical to use? I don't think so. I think it can be used unethically, but you can say that about any technology. True. Yeah. True. So Clio is providing the transparency, complying with the due diligence, and just spending the money for the security that makes us a trusted brand, not just by our lawyer customers, but by lawyer regulators. Pardon the interruption. I hope you're enjoying the techsavvylawyer.page podcast as much as I enjoy making them. Consider buying us a cup of coffee or two to help defray some of the production costs. Thanks and enjoy. Your last answer actually leads us to our second question. What are the three most common ethic missteps attorneys are making with cybersecurity and how does Clio help prevent them? So I think cybersecurity is a really interesting thing because if you look at almost every standard out there around cybersecurity and actually confidentiality, they actually meet on one key term reasonable, right? That just as I mentioned earlier, that there is no perfect security, right? right? There, the standard you should be targeting as part of your law firm is then reasonable security. And that does change over time. And that leads us to the three ethical missteps. Cybersecurity is now easier than ever to obtain the bare minimum. What do you consider to be the bare minimum? Well, that does evolve over time. Currently, that is encryption in transit, encryption at rest, the use of strong passwords that are unique and secure, the use of multi-factor authentication in addition to those strong passwords, and having good backups that are also encrypted. I think it's actually really easy to hit that standard nowadays. Right. Uh, yeah, it's getting cheaper and easier to do that. And before, that was actually a problem, right? If I wanted to encrypt the hard drive on my Mac or PC, I had to go and find third-party software to do it. And I probably couldn't do it without reformatting my hard drive and losing everything on it. Now it's just a setting right. in my Mac or PC. I think it's called File Vault in Apple. Mac. Yeah. yeah. And there's a like Bitdefender or something like that in PC. You just turn it on. And so how reasonable is it that you don't encrypt your hard drive? Although it is amazing how many people still don't use a simple password on their laptop. And yeah. I agree with you. And with my clerks, they tend to be virtual. Yeah. And I ask all my clerks, or tell all my clerks, fine, you work from on your device, that's fine. And of course, you can work from wherever, that's fine too. But you have to have a password on your computer. And if you're going anywhere outside your home network, you've got to use a VPN. Yeah. And it's amazing how many attorneys still don't use a VPN, even for their cell phones. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. And I have VPN software, but I don't use it all the time, right? I only use it when I'm attempting to access certain types of data. Right. At certain locations where I'm not. Right. And so then I'll turn the VPN on. But if I'm just going to take a look at social media, I'm not turning on my VPN. Believe it or not, I keep it on for social media. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, just to it, make sure. It is surveillance capitalism. Yeah. I, it's just I understand better to the have point. the habit. Yeah. yeah. Have it automatically turn on. So, yeah. So that's okay. I think we got, we talked about reasonableness. Yeah. So, and we talked about a whole bunch of things that they, that attorneys should be doing using encryption, passwords, multi, multi factor authentication, yeah. backups. So, I think we covered that. Unless there's anything else you want to there's add, there's one more that I want to add. Please do not use biometric identifications as passwords. Why not? Because they don't uh, get Fifth Amendment protections. Oh, yeah. So, face ID on your mobile phone, okay. using a thumbprint scanner on your laptop. Yeah. Those actually are not considered to have testimonial protection. Oh. 
And so law enforcement officials can just demand that you scan your face or scan your thumb and provide access to the files. Well, when I'm traveling, say, overseas or mm -hmm. if I'm going into a courthouse, yeah. I restart my, oh, my nice. Macs or my Apple because they require a password to log back in. You can't just use your fingerprint. I love using my fingerprint on my Mac Pro. Yeah. It makes installation and startup very easy once yeah. I'm in the system, but I understand it completely what you say. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our last question. As we look into the future, what should attorneys be wary of regarding all things internet and their law practice? The first thing they need to know is every technology that they're using right now is is at least five to 10 years out of date. And I say that for everything. You go out and buy an iPhone 15 Pro, which just came out this month yep. at the time of recording. It's already 10 years out of date. And it's 10 years out of date because lawyers have a duty to hold certain types of records for years into the future. Right. No, even past when they are actually helping that client, their financial records need to be kept for an average of six years across the United States, but can go as high as 10. And any records where a client has a, a real interest, like say a deed or something like that, have to be maintained indefinitely in some jurisdictions. Oh, wow. So your technology that you're using right now has to be supporting those use cases 10 years into the future. And we're frequently making choices right now where we don't do that. I'm thinking tape backups. The tape is actually a stronger median for storing data in the long term, but that's only if you can find a tape backup reader. Right. Right. And they don't make those anymore. Good luck in finding a floppy drive. Exactly. Yeah. And so we need to be leaning into just like the cloud leads into database and development standards, we need to be leaning into ISO standards when it comes to archival data quality. Certain types of data just last longer. PDFs, for example. Yep. Yeah, last longer. You can read them on everything. Uh, I actually, as part of a just a fun aside for our legal trends report presentation this year, yep. I wanted to find just a fun fact about data that didn't make it into the report. So I looked at documents and in the last 30 days, there have been 12 million documents uploaded into CLIA. 49% wow. of those, so about 5 million of them were PDFs, but there were still over 130,000 WordPerfect files loaded into Clio in the last 30 days. Wait, WordPerfect? WordPerfect. Oh my. And I, I love WordPerfect. I am like really? a WordPerfect fan. Oh, okay. It is a much better word processor than Word. Okay. Yeah. But how are you going to open those files 10 years from now? Hmm. Good question. I'm assuming that WordPerfect will still be around. And I think Microsoft Word, I believe Pages. Yeah. And I remember there was a, there's an open source. Oh uh, yeah. Open document yeah. format. Uh, yeah. But the ISO standard for archival documents right now is actually Word XML. So Microsoft basically bought the standard, gotcha. but that's the standard. So, so that was one. All right. So you have to think 10 years into the future, right? As a part of that, there's always a risk that the data you put into an internet service might not be able to be extracted. Ooh. Right? Right. Yeah. We've all used an app that went away. Right. Yeah. So when you're looking at the data for your law firm, reliability of the cloud isn't just how, how, what is the uptime of the service, but can I easily back up or get access to my information so I can export it? Okay. And then again, what is that export feature, right? So just to use Clio as what I have pushed for is the gold standard. 
We have an export page that's accessible by administrators. All the information is downloadable either in uh, CSV, that's comma separated value, mm -hmm. which is an archival spreadsheet format. Right. So again, you can just open it without having to have any additional software, right? Microsoft Excel, Numbers for Mac, or even whatever the open office version of Excel is. I haven't used it in yeah. about 10 years, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But that format is supported everywhere. Well, my wait, point. But, and yeah. then secondly, well, yeah. wait, hold on. Yeah. What, here's the uh, quick question. What is the spreadsheet program for WordPerfect? It has a compatible, a comparable. Oh, I actually don't know that one off the top of my head. I, I just I haven't I used that one in a long time. Yeah. I, I figured I'd throw that out yeah. there, but I'm sorry. I interrupted. Was it Calc? We're now turning to the internet, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Corel is the, is the corporation that makes WordPerfect. All right. Yeah. So what's Corel's spreadsheet program? But yes, it will read CSV. Again, looking at Clio is what I am attempting to push towards a gold standard. So downloadable is CSV. So machine readable, but also people readable. Once you open it up, right? That's not a proprietary format. And your documents come back to you in their original format. We also have a built-in data escrow function that lets you basically set up your own. This sounds highly technical, people, but it's not. Amazon S3 bucket. Yep. And we'll just back up everything, that CSV files and your documents to your own Amazon account for pennies on the dollar. And that'll be done on a weekly basis. And so if you ever leave Clio, you've got this backup export just waiting for you. So think 10 years into the future. Right. Make sure you can get it out quickly and easily. Yep. And quickly and easily, unfortunately, is a, a different standard when it comes to a law firm that has 80,000 documents, but we can still make it happen. And the last one is remember the reasonableness. There's no set it and forget it when it comes to technology. And that includes internet technology. And so at some point, your favorite app or vendor might fall behind. And then the reasonable thing to do is export your data, make sure it's complying with their deletion protocols and move on. What did you think of the winner from the 2023 ABA Startup Alley? Can you refresh my memory? He was the, and I forgot the name of the company, but basically they created a translation program that mm -hmm. allows you to convert from one CRM to another. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Seamlessly. Yeah. I actually think I haven't reviewed their contractual services, mm -hmm. right? So I haven't done what I would do my due diligence on if I were using it. Right, right. I think it's a necessary service. Agreed. Right? Agreed. And so the devil would just be in the details of the individual vendor. But I know that there are a lot of customers coming to Clio from other systems where we had to build migration programs for them. Yeah. And there are some, especially again, from these legacy on-premise systems where IT consultants need to be brought in. And we have a, a whole network of them that we've worked with and trained uh, in order to really convert these old formats into modern. So yeah, it's a necessary system. And I remember it was a horrible process 10 plus years ago. The change management is, is problematic no matter what, but that just adds to the pain. Agreed, yeah. agreed. But it was really, it was a real mess. And I'm yeah. glad that companies like Clio and the company that we talked about back in the uh, ABA Tech Show are here to help. The answer to oh. the question was Quattro Pro. Quattro Pro. Oh, how did we forget <laughs> that? Okay. But Josh, I want to thank you for being here. Please tell us, where can people find you? So I'm a member of Clio. I'm the lawyer in residence to Clio, which is my made-up title. So you can find me at Joshua at Clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn and other social media. Look for Joshua Lennon. In some social medias, it's just one word. So Mastodon, Twitter, Blue Sky, Joshua Lennon with one N in the middle Okay, is my social media handle. And I look forward to interacting with everybody there too. Excellent. Again, I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks.
Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy luring.